All right, let's pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you, dear Lord, for this day. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my pastor's wife. I thank you for each one of these ladies. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to do something for you. Lord, I tremble in my shoes when I think about the awesome responsibility that you've given me to guide my home and to build my home. Lord, I want to be a wise builder, and I pray that you would help me. I pray that you'd help each one of these ladies, Lord. May something that I can say, that you can say through me, would encourage them to build and to build their home and to build their family. Lord, I, I ask that you would. I pray that you would bless our church, that you would bless our pastor. Thank you so much for a precious pastor's wife that has a concern for us to have these meetings and, and has these things for us, Lord. I am so thankful for that. Again, I pray that you'd be with me, Lord. I pray you would help me to remember the things that I've studied. Help me to say only the things that you would have me say. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, first of all, I want to say how very thankful I am to have a pastor's wife that encourages us to read and to write our Bible. Um, how many of you have enjoyed writing the scriptures? I love that. I love that. And I have a, another scripture plan that I write every day because I like to write more than one verse. Of course, I'm sure I have more time than some of you that work on a public job. But I also, either I pick up one of the scripture writing plans here. If I'm here and if I don't get here, I have Miss Leslie to send it to me uh, on um, our email so that I can write the same verses you're writing every day. And I love writing the scriptures and I'm so thankful that she's brought that to us. She also encourages us to read good books, books that will help us. Um, I, I hope all of you got this little book and we'll get the next one, the ones that she has. You know what I love about them is that they're little short books. I'm not an avid reader. I, I don't like uh, them big books that's got 500 pages and the print's so small. You can't hardly see, you know. But see, you can just read that. It's easy reading. And uh, I am so thankful that I have a pastor's wife that encourages us as women. And <clears throat> that's what we need. So the, the theme of this meeting is being a wise woman, being building our home, being a wise woman. <clears throat> and of course, we took Proverbs 14.1 as the theme that says, Every wise woman buildeth her house but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And I want to begin by saying to you that my family, my home, is the most important thing in all this world to me. The Lord is top in my life, but right there underneath the Lord is my family, my home, my husband. And I am so thankful that God has given me the home that he has given me. After 50 years of marriage, this year we'll be married 51 years, but after 50 years of marriage, four children, two in heaven, two on earth, five grandchildren, three great-grandchildren, and another one on the way that's going to be named after me. Hooray! <laughs> after all these girls, I begged and begged, 
And I, I guess poor Jeremiah and Brian just got tired of hearing me beg. <laughs> so little Jana will be here in, um, in September. September's when she's... But after all of those years, the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, I still am building my home. It's a lifetime, lifelong job. I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I'm not wise and if I become foolish, that even now I can pluck down my home with my very own hands. That's what the Bible says, right? A wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. I thought about that word pluck, and I thought about my mama when I was a little girl growing up. If she wanted to have chicken for supper that night, she'd just get a chicken, she'd chop its head off, she had an axe or something, and she'd just chop that head off, throw that chicken underneath a wash tub so it wouldn't splatter blood all over the yard. <laughs> She's looking like, I can't believe it. Well, she did. And then she would uh, have hot water, hot scalding water, after, the, after it quit flopping around in there, she would get that chicken out and stick it down in that scalding water so she could pluck the feathers off of it. Now, it wasn't something she did with just one whoop, and it was done. It, she plucked it, a feather, a handful of feathers at a time. And if we're not careful, ladies, we will pluck our home down Plucketh it down with her own hands a handful at a time. So we need to ask God and we need to remember how precious our family is to us and how precious our home is to us and ask God to help us to be wise builders of that. I have seen in the years that my husband has pastored and we've been in the ministry and we have dealt with hundreds, hundreds of couples and people I have seen women, even after being married for years and years and years, pluck their home down with their own hands because they become foolish and lax in the responsibility that God has given us. Let me tell you what our first responsibility is. It's not that job that you work on eight hours a day, public job. It's not uh, the things of this world. But our first responsibility that God has given us is to be, to build our home. And our home, your home, your husband, your children should come before anything else. And other than the Lord, the Lord comes first, your family. But if you put things in the right order, I promise you it'll all work out. I've seen it. I want to be a wise woman, not only for my sake, but for my husband's sake. How sad it would be after my husband has preached over 45 years for me to ruin his ministry. And I could do that. I could do that. Um, but only for my husband, for my children, for my great-grandchildren, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I want my life to be a legacy that I love the Lord, my husband, and my family.
but it won't just happen. It does not happen. How many, I was sitting at the supper table the other night, and you know those things Leslie gave us, had you rather cook or clean? Well, ain't neither one, ain't much of a choice to me. I don't <laughs> like to do neither one of them too good. But I was sitting at the supper table the other night, and we'd eaten supper, and there was all them dirty dishes and dishes and things you've got to take back to the kitchen. And I told Bella, of course, if you don't know, that's our schnauzer. And I told Bella, I said, Bella, I think tonight's your night to clean up the kitchen. <laughs> well, that didn't go any too far. And I told, I told her, I said, you know, I wish sometimes I was like that woman on I Dream a Genie that I could just sprinkle my nose and it all be done. But uh, it's hard work. Building a home is hard work, and it always will be. But I can tell you it's the most rewarding work, the most rewarding thing that you'll ever, ever do in this life. It won't just happen. It's hard work. But I think the results and the blessings along the way are well worth it. So let's look at our paper here, um, Being a Wise Woman. And let's look in the book of James. If you have... Your Bible, if you want to open your book, your Bible with me to the book of James, because the Bible has much to say about wisdom. And the book of James is one of the most practical books in the New Testament, and he tells us about wisdom. And the book of James, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. It says this, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensuous, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good works without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteous and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So James tells us there's two kinds of wisdom. There's an earthly wisdom, a wisdom of this world, and then he says there's a heavenly wisdom. We cannot build our homes on earthly wisdom. We're living in a society today that really wants to push that down our throat, that we have to do what the world says do. We have to raise our children according to the standards of the world today. That if we don't, we're, let, we're letting them miss out on some important things. But uh, we can't build our home on the earthly wisdom. We need to try and build our home. To try and build our home on the wisdom of the world is foolish. The Bible says it is. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. 
Now, Paul was writing to one of the most carnal churches, if not the most carnal church in the New Testament, the church at Corinth. And he said, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And it is written, he that taketh the wise in their own craftiness. But we must build our homes on the wisdom that is from above. Now, the wisdom of this world will have you envying. That's what the Bible said. He said there's bitter envying and strife in your hearts if you try to build your home on the wisdom from this world. But he said the wisdom, our heavenly wisdom, the wisdom that is from above, is pure, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good works, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the kind of wisdom that we need to build our homes, if we're going to build a home that has a lasting um, effect on our families. The Proverbs 31 woman is who a lot of times we model our lives after as Christian women, and it says that she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. So she uses wisdom as her base, and so that's what we need to build our home on. If we're going to be a wise builder, if we're going to build our home, then we need to, to use the wisdom of the heavenly wisdom and not the worldly wisdom. Building is a progress. It does not happen overnight. And just like I told you, I've been married 51 years and I'm still building my home. I'm still building a relationship with my husband. I'm still building relationships with my children. And now my in-laws and my grandchildren and my grandchildren-in-law and my great-grandchildren, we're still building relationships. So it's not anything that's going to happen overnight. It's a working progress. And I chose this little clip art of this woman. She's got her arm up because she's gone to work. And uh, I think maybe that was a... a picture that they used during World War II, wouldn't it, when the women had to go to work because the men were at war. Well, I'm at war. I'm going to build my home and I'm going to fight Satan. And building our home is it's a battlefield. It's not a playground. It's a battlefield. You've got to determine in your heart that I'm going to do all I can do to build my home and make lasting relationships. All right, said, so how can I make sure... I am a wise builder of my home. Number one, the foundation must be right. Now, the first little house that Alan and I ever built together in Rhonda, he was, he, well, he still does think he, not, he can do everything. And he can, he can. But he was going to build, a, there was a few bricks left over, and he was going to build us, he said, I'm going to build us some columns at the end of the driveway. And I said, okay, that would be nice. And um, so he went out there and he worked and he worked and he took them brick and he fixed us a column on either side of the driveway. And it looked pretty good. I, I must admit, it looked pretty good. Well, the next morning we got up and they fell over. <laughs> you know why? He didn't put a foundation underneath them. So for us to build our home, if you build anything, you know as well as I do, the foundation has got to be right. You can't build unless you've got a right foundation. 
Now, on this picture here, you'll see this home here is a beautiful home. It is a beautiful home. But you see underneath here, this foundation's been propped up with blocks. And the whole house is, is crumbling. It's fixing to crumble down. The foundation is not right. So we can't build our home unless the foundation is right. And the right foundation for us to build our home on is salvation. And on this other paper here that Miss Leslie gave you, on your number one thing right here for this is, is salvation. The foundation that you must build your home on is salvation. You have to make sure, make sure that you're saved. 1 Corinthians 3.11, then again, this is, um, this is the uh, most carnal church in the New Testament, and uh, the Apostle Paul is telling to the court, says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So for us to build our home and to build it the right way, the foundation has got to be right, and the foundation is salvation. Now, I'm not here to make anybody doubt, but you need to make sure that you're saved. We'll never accomplish anything much in building our home if we're not sure, if we're not saved, and we're not sure of it. I want you, if you've got your Bibles again, I want you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. <laughs> oh, Lyle, wow, there comes part of my family, sounds like. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, and let's look at verse 24, and we're going to read the story out of the Bible, of the wise man and the foolish man. And uh, that was one of the first little songs you learned your children, or you learned, the wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. Well, in verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So he's, Jesus is telling them there's a wise man and there's a foolish man. Now, look in verse 24. And the first word in verse 24 is therefore. And the word therefore is there for a reason. So let's see what the word therefore is there for. If we go back up to verse 20, um, let's start in verse 21. It says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name doth many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings. So Jesus is saying, this man that built his house on the sand, he was never saved. He may have professed it. He may have done many wondrous works in Jesus' name. But when the storms of life came, and when the hard times came, his house crumbled around him because it did not have the right foundation. And the right foundation for us to build our home is salvation. And I would, I, as far as I know, every one of you are saved. But I would ask you to be sure that you know that you are. Because it's not so much the front we put on, but it's what's in our heart. And um, our foundation, we, we cannot build the right kind of home, the right kind of relationship, if our foundation is not right. And salvation has to be the right uh, foundation. You will only survive the storms of life in your family and in your home if your foundation is salvation. Not good works. And then I put there the word therefore in verse 24 is therefore reason. It's because that's what he was talking about. So before we can even begin to think about building a home, salvation, our foundation must be right. And um, uh, that foundation is salvation. I don't know about you, but God's too real not to be real. And uh, I know that there are people that doubt their salvation, but God's too real not to be real. And if you know him, you know him. And if you don't know him, then you need to know him, and you need to let him be real to you. So first of all, to be a wise builder in my home, my foundation's got to be right. There's got to be salvation. I'm so thankful. I thank God every day for the time in my life where he convicted me and showed me that I was lost. I was brought up in a Christian home. I never knew anything but going to church. There was never a question in my mom and daddy's life, in my life when I was at home. You got up and you went to church. I went, but I'm so thankful for the day that God showed me that that goodness was not good enough to take me to heaven. And for the time in my life when he convicted my heart and showed me that I was lost, and I cannot tell you what I prayed that day, I do not know, but I know God made a difference in my life. And I believe with all my heart that Sunday morning I was sitting about right here at my church where I grew up, Mountain View Baptist Church in Hayes, North Carolina. When I stepped out of that, that pew, God saw my heart, and before I ever got to the altar, he saved me. Now that's been a long time ago, 56, 53, 50, a bunch of years ago. I was 12, I'm 68 now. But God has been real to me. And I am convinced that I could never have done anything apart from that. And I'm so thankful for that. So first of all, first thing, the foundation's got to be right, and that's salvation, knowing that you're saved. And then two, to be a wise builder, I must love and learn the scriptures. We'll never build a home. We'll never be a wise builder of a home unless we learn to love and learn the scriptures. We need to build our homes on what thus saith the word of God. Not what this world says, 
we just read in the book of James where this, uh, the um, wisdom of this world is sensuous and devilish. But we need to build our homes on what the Word of God says and what, um, what our Bible teaches us is right. So we need to learn to love the Scriptures. We need to learn to memorize the Scriptures. Now, uh, when you get my age, that's really hard to do. And we can make a joke about it, but that's true. My mind is not. The Scriptures I have memorized as a child are the Scriptures that I remember now. And I can tell you there have been times when uh, that year that I had three joint replacements done in one year, and there was times I was in so much pain that, uh, and I know mine is nothing like what some people go through, but I'm telling you from my own personal experience, there were nights that I couldn't sleep, and the only calmness that I could find, the only thing that would calm me and help me bear that pain was quoting scriptures that I'd learned as a child. And I would say them over and over and over again in my mind. And the Word of God would calm me down. So we need to learn and love the scriptures. Your Bible should be the most precious thing in this whole world to you. You should not neglect a day of spending time in God's Word. Because that's God speaking to you. And, and He will help you with that. It is the Scriptures. It is in the Scriptures. It's the Scriptures that teaches us God's plan for every woman. I'll I, I put you a couple of verses in there. It says, we need, Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. We know he's talking about the Scriptures. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God will help you. He'll give you wisdom, but you've got to go to his Word for it. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It is the scriptures that teaches us God's plan for every woman. Now, I printed my verses out, but you can go back um, later on and look these verses up. I've put in the reference down for you. 1 Timothy 5.14 tells us the plan for every woman. It says, I would therefore that the younger women marry. It's God's plan for a woman to marry. Now, sometimes it don't always happen. If you've got a, somebody won't ask you, you know, I don't know, I guess you go ask them. But <laughs> anyway, God's plan, I mean, we're living in a society that has put down marriage and has put down having children and telling us as women that we need to have careers and that we need to make lots of money and, and be independent, be our own boss. Well, that's not the will of God. Uh, some of you work on it, but most of you do anymore. And that's fine as long as you get your priorities right. But the Bible says, I would therefore that the younger women marry. I would be concerned. I would definitely be concerned if my Rebecca had never wanted to get married. I would be concerned if Madeline and Lydia and Olivia and Victoria and little Israel and Chloe and Jana never want to get married. I think that's something God puts in us. And he said, I would therefore the younger women marry. And what else are we? We're to bear children. 
You know, that's God's plan for us, is to have a family. And we pick at each other about things, but God's plan is for us to bear children, to have a family. It's his plan that we guide the church, guide the home, not the church, guide the home. It's his plan that we guide the home, not rule it, not rule it. Your husband is the head of the home, but it's his plan that you guide the home. I was listening, Alan, I was listening to Brother Stanley Ballou the other day on the radio. We were going to church and we had the radio on. Brother Stanley Ballou came on and he was speaking on God's plan for the women. And I think the week before that, he spoke on God's plan for the men. And I hated Alan had to miss that. But <laughs> anyway, and he says, he said, ladies, your home is your testimony. I thought, okay. But you know that's true. That's true. Is your home always in disarray? Is your home always a disaster area? Or, you know, really, your home is your testimony. When people come into your home, what do they see? And I know that you can't keep, I know that, and especially if you've got little children, I know that you can't, but I'll be your desire. Your home is your, your castle. You are responsible. It's not your husband's job to keep that house clean. If he wants to help you and you work on a job, that's good. But if he doesn't, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility at 1020 Shenandoah Trail to keep things straightened up and cleaned up. And you know what? I've never, I've never seen a man that, that I've ever talked to any about that ever wanted their wife to be a slob and that ever enjoyed their house being in a, in a wreck. Uh, for years, um, when we were at Turner's Creek, the last few years that we were there, I cleaned the church. I paid for Rebecca and Jeremy's wedding, cleaning toilets. I cleaned the church. But do you know who I had the most compliments from? Men in the church would come up to me and say, thank you, Miss Jan, for keeping this church clean. Thank you. They'd say, it smells so good in here, because I've always been, I want things to smell good. If you come in my house, I want things to smell good. I want things to smell clean, whether they are or not. Now, you can always put a little pine saw in the toilet, you know. But uh, our responsibility, and when he said that, uh, when Brother Ballou said that, that struck home because that's so true, that your home is your testimony. Um, a lot of times today we live in such a fast-paced world that we don't have people in our home anymore. But I always enjoyed when my children were growing up, especially, and Alan and I still do it some today, I would want the preachers that preached at our church to come into my home. I wanted, I would always prepare a meal for them and have them set at my table because I wanted my children to see the man of God. I wanted them to sit next to him at the table. Dr. Harold Seitler sat at my table. Uh, Dr. Lee Robertson, all these great men of God sat at my table. And I... And so when they came into my home, what was my testimony to them? Was they afraid to eat at my table? I've been in some houses when I, where people ask us to come home, and I thought, dear Lord, you're going to have to help me just close my eyes. You know, I think they expect me to eat off this floor. It's so nasty. But uh, what is our home is our testimony, and, and his is to bear children, guide the home, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachably. 
That's God's plan for our woman. And we find that in the scriptures, and that's why we need to build our home on uh, what thus saith the Word of God. And on your picture here and in your handout here, your number two would be the scriptures. We need to build our home on the scriptures. It is the Word of God, and it's in the scriptures that teach us how to be a good wife. You say, I really would like to be a good wife, but I don't know what to do. Well, look in the Scriptures. See what the Scripture says about it. Uh, Ephesians 5, 22 and through 24 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then in Titus 2, 3, and 5, it says that aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior is becoming holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. Now, us older women, we can't have much wine, but we can have a little bit. Not given to much wine. That's one of the, the privileges of getting a little older. I guess you know I'm kidding. <laughs> Teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That word blasphemed is a very serious word. And it says if you're not these things, then you've blasphemed the word of God. And the word blasphemes means to curse. So if you've not done what the Bible says about being a good wife, is the scriptures that teach us how to be a good mother. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It is, um, this is a verse that uh, God used to help me as a, um, a mother as my children got older. And Proverbs 29, 15 said, The rod of reproof give wisdom, but a child left himself bringeth who to shame? His mother. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Uh, the easy thing for you to do is your children get older. Now this little sweet baby here in Morgan's arms, he's not going to give her a lot of trouble. But I'm going to tell you, him and Colt both are going to be teenagers one day. And you're going to think, where I went with that little sweet baby I held in my arms. And the easy thing for you to do is to cross your arms and sit down and say, well, have at it. Do whatever you want to do. And, and the world will tell you you're being a good mama by being that. But this verse says that if I leave my son or my daughter to themselves, it's going to bring shame to me, bringeth his mother shame. So it's the scriptures that tell us that. It's the scriptures that tells us how to build our home. It's the scriptures that um, teaches us the importance of the fruits of the Spirit in our home. That was in our book that Miss Leslie had for us to read. How that, um, I got it here somewhere and all this stuff. It tells us how, that, how important to have the fruits of the Spirit in our home. It's also the scriptures that learn, uh, that we, it's from the scriptures that we learn how to guide our homes against the home invaders that Satan sends our way. And this, in this book right here, Miss Taylor tells us some of the home invaders. And we won't go into all that. The internet, your child has no business having a, having a computer in their home without your supervision in their room. 
um, you better watch out, you better be careful, you better... It's the scriptures that tells, tells us those things. We need to read it. We need to read the Bible. We need to listen to it. Many days, <clears throat> I just cut, I love the app, Bible Is, and I just cut it on and listen to it while I'm working. We need to, to read it. We need to listen to it. We need to write it. And I had mentioned how much I have loved, I have loved this writing, the scriptures this year, has been such a blessing to me. But I did want to share with you a couple of blessings. I write my scriptures in a journal like this. Every day I sit down and write my scriptures. The day, one of the days that uh, Ezekiel was so bad, they called, Rebecca called us early that morning, I mean early before daylight, and she said, Mama, please, you and Daddy, pray for Ezekiel. He, she told me how many times he'd thrown up that day. You, you remember that he had bacterial meningitis. And I said, my heart was just broken. And I sit down at, at, at the desk and, and I try to read through the Bible every year. And I, I knew that my Bible reading for that day was in the book of Judges. And I thought, I'll not get no help out of the book of Judges. Now, if you've read through the book of Judges, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I just opened up my, my schedule. I have a schedule. Don't you just love it when you get to check off the little things I've written that today? But I opened up my schedule that I was supposed to write that day. And my heart was just breaking. And these were my scriptures. It said, then will I go unto the altar of God, my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down? This is in Psalms chapter 47. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? My soul was so cast down that morning. And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Then 45, I was supposed to write Psalm 45, verse 7. It says, I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. All generations. Therefore shall thy people praise thee forever and ever. I don't always write in my journal my thoughts. Sometimes I do. This day, I wrote, these verses are especially precious to me. Our great-grandson, Ezekiel, has been diagnosed with bacterial meningitis. He is only 18 months old. This morning, we got a call saying he was very sick. My heart's breaking. I opened my Bible to write my verses for today, and this is what they were. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your scriptures that speak peace to my heart. The scriptures should be so important to you and writing them. Another day, uh, 
was the day that Madeline graduated from high school, and we were fixing to have her graduation service that day. And I sat down, and I, I was, when I write the scriptures, is when I pray, and I thought, my heart was overwhelmed thinking what Madeline's going to face, how wicked our world has gotten, the presidency, those that are in leadership. Um, I thought, what will our sweet Madeline face before she gets grown? My scriptures that day was Hebrews thirteen eighteen, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And I wrote a note in my, my journal that day, today Madeline will graduate from high school. We are living in such a crazy world. When I think of what she may face as a young lady, wife and mother, I shake in my shoes. But what joy, what peace to know the truth and certainty of this verse. All around us may and will change, but Jesus Christ never changes. He will fight her battles for her. God speaks peace to us through his word. Um, just one more. And, and what I'm trying to get you to see how important the word of God is in building your home and, and keeping your sanity while you're building a home and the things that you will face. On May the 27th of this year, one of the verses, it was the verse that um, I wrote with our our church group, you remember that month, our verses were on God's faithfulness. Well, that morning, my verse was John 14, our verse. You wrote it too if you were doing it, John 14, 18. I will never leave, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I wrote in, in my journal that day, today at 2 o'clock, we will have Alan's twin sister, Alice's funeral. I can only imagine the hurt he is feeling. I am so thankful for the promise of this verse. Thank you, Lord, for sending your sweet Holy Spirit to comfort us in times like these. You are good, and I have found you to be a faithful and true friend. I love you. We need, if we're going to build our home, if we're going to build our family, if we're going to be a wise woman, we're going to have to build it on what thus saith the word of God. We're going to have to learn to love it more than life itself. When we first came to Turner's Creek in 1985, I was a young mother, a young pastor's wife. I had a couple of older ladies in that church, Miss Lee Jordan and Miss Edith Shore, Miss Leslie, probably remember them. They were my Sunday school teacher. The churches before, I had had to help teach, but when I came to Turner's Creek, the former pastor, preacher Eugene Goodman, was like a military sergeant. He had everything lined up, so I didn't, he already had teachers and everything. So I went in Miss Orly Jordan and Miss Edith Shore's Sunday school class, the adult lady Sunday school class. And I was a young mother, my children were little, my life had been hurry, 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 run, 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 to do this and that. And I can remember Miss Jordan and Miss Orly teaching that Sunday school class and holding this Bible next to their heart and it's how love the word of God and I knew that I didn't have the love for the word of God that they had I was saved but my life had gotten so busy and what I'm saying to you is we need to love the word of God I'm telling you 
The Word of God will change your life. I don't care if you listen to it. I don't care if you write it. I don't care if you read it. The Word of God will change your life. So we need, first of all, the foundation's got to be right. We've got to make sure we're saved. Then we've got to have the Scriptures to build our home on. We've got to build our home on what thus saith the Word of God. The worldly wisdom will tell you, let your children do anything they want to do. The worldly wisdom will tell you, uh, if you don't like what's going on in your home, then you just leave it. But God's wisdom will tell you different, and it will build our home on the Scriptures, what the Scripture says. And then to be a wise builder in my home, there must be supplication. We need to cover our home in prayer. We need to learn to pray a hedge around our home. That's your third point, and here on your scripture, your supplication, praying. We need to learn to pray a hedge around our home. James 1, 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. You say, I don't know how to build my home. I don't know what to do. Then ask God. Pray and ask God, and God will show you um, Say, I don't know how to raise my children. Well, what of us does, you know? It's a scary thing, but you need to pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do? I'm already, I'm, I, I'm praying about Johnson's girls, who they're going to marry. Uh, I, I pray for, I've been praying for Jana to get saved. I want her and Chloe and, and Israel and Ezekiel when they reach the knowledge of accountability. It's not the age. It's the knowledge of accountability. I've been praying for their salvation. We need to pray. We need to cover our home in prayer. My home and my family are too important to me to skip out this point of building my home. Ellen and I were talking about it the other day. Uh, I really believe that the devil fights me praying more than anything else I do. He will let me sit down and read my scriptures and, and write them and do, for the most part, that he fights me on praying, taking time just to sit down and pray. Something I've learned that helps me in praying, that kind of, I don't know, it, it helps me concentrate more. I listen to music while I pray. And I have found one of the best, um, I googled it, um, Tim Janis, T-I-M-J-A-N-I-S. If you will Google his Tim Janis hymns, I've listened to all different kinds of ones, but I love his the best. And I put that music on and it helps keep my mind concentrating on on the what I'm praying and the, and keeps my mind away from the distractions. Now that's everybody might not do that, but I, I'm just telling you myself, it helps me get in to um, the right atmosphere, whatever you want to call it. I, but it helps me when I pray. Um, a couple of years ago, Alan preached a, a mission revival at a church in Tennessee, and every night the pastor would say. He'd call the piano player up to the piano first thing in the service, and he'd say, um, I think you need to give us 15 minutes tonight. Sometimes it was 20, sometimes it was 10. But he said, we need to pray. 
And so she would go to the piano and play. She was a, a beautiful piano player. It was just beautiful, her music. And she would set her timer, I'm sure, because on her watch or whatever. And for that amount of time, she played hymns. It was so beautiful, so soothing. And we prayed for that amount of time. And that's what got me into searching on the Internet, Googling, finding. Uh, and I, I like to do that when I pray. My family is too important for me to pray in, just Lord, please help my family. No, I call every one of them by name. I have special things that I pray for Jonathan. I have special things that I pray for Rebecca. I have special prayer that I pray for each one of the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. I call each name out to God. I ask God, one of the things I ask God every time I pray is to put a hedge about our homes and our marriages and to deliver us from the evil influences of Satan. That's part of the Lord's Prayer, you know. Another thing I pray is the Lord anoint my head with oil. I studied out the 23rd Psalm, and I, and, uh, I taught, Miss Angela Parks and I taught that in the teenage girls' class one time. And the shepherd, when it says, Thou anointest my head with oil, the reason he anointed those sheep's head with oil was to keep the flies and stuff from getting up in their nostrils and into their brains and... And I said, oh, Lord, I need the Lord to anoint my head with oil to keep. And I pray that. Lord, please anoint my head with oil so the things of this world will not crowd into my mind and make me have the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit, you know. So there are certain things you need to pray. You need to learn to pray. So I, I hope, uh, I'm telling you, um, it's the most rewarding work you'll ever do to build your home. Um, it's something you won't have to look back when it comes time to die and be sorry that you did. And when you get my age, you start thinking about that. You're thinking about dying. Of course, any of us could die. But uh, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found doing what God has for me to do. And uh, he says in his word that I'm to build my home. And I want to be a wise woman. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you would help each one of us, Lord, to be wise builders of our homes, Father. I pray that you would just meet each need. Thank you for your precious word that teaches us what you'd have us to do.